Chapter Four of Boston Blackie by Jack Boyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Cushion's Kid. Boston Blackie dropped the paper he had been reading, a satisfied smile lighting his face. Two months had elapsed since the evening still treasured in his memory on which he had met and comforted his little pal at the Wilburning home. And now in the daily column of society notes he read, Mr. and Mrs. Martin Wilmerding, accompanied by their son, are leaving the city for a month at their country home in Monterey County. It succeeded, he cried joyously to himself. It couldn't help it, not with a boy like that drawing them together. I wish Mary were back. This news will make her even happier than it has me. Impatiently he began to pace the floor, visions of a tiny youngster in nightclothes and with a woolly dog, filling his mind as he waited for his wife. A step sounded in the corridor. "'Mary at last!' exclaimed Blackie in tones caressingly tender. Then his ear caught the sound of a second light step on the stairway. He listened with every faculty strained and abnormally alert. His hand, which instinctively, at the sound of the strange footfall, had sought the revolver which lay nearby, let the gun slip back to its place. "'A woman with her,' he added. "'Strange. But she comes for a good reason, if she comes with Mary.' He rose and unbarred the door at the light, distinctive rap of the elect among crooks. Mary threw herself into his arms and clung to him, sobbing. Behind her entered a second woman, with the face and figure of a young girl, but with eyes old and tired and world-weary from heartache and suffering. She too was weeping, but quietly, hopelessly, as women who love do for their dead. Blackie recognized her at once. "'Why, it's little Miss Happy!' he exclaimed, using the name with which Crookdom had rechristened her when she was first introduced to its circles by the Cushion's Kid, youthful pal of Blackie in bygone days. "'What's wrong, little girl? What's happened to the kid?' The girl covered her face with tiny hands, frail and thin and almost transparent, and sobbed silently. Mary released one arm from Blackie and encircled the thin shoulders that seemed so pitifully childish for the burden of grief they bore. The girl's head fell on Mary's shoulder. "'Oh, Blackie!' cried Mary. "'The cushion's kid is in false prison, and he's sentenced to—to—' to... Her lips failed as she strove to speak the dreaded words. The other girl raised her head and laid her hand on Boston Blackie's arm. "'The kid's sentenced to be hanged, Blackie,' she said, forcing the words slowly one by one, as though each tore her heart. "'Only fourteen days left, Blackie. Only fourteen little days. Oh!' Her voice rose as self-restraint snapped. "'Day and night I see him standing on the trap, bound and helpless. I see the black cap sliding over his dear face. I see the—' Uh, she covered her eyes as though thus she could shut out the picture imagination seared on her brain. "'I love him so, Blackie, I love him so,' she moaned. "'You won't let them kill him. You'll save him for me, won't you, Blackie?' Her blind confidence in the power of a hunted crook to wrest her lover from the hand of the law was as a little child's belief in the omnipotence of a father. "'Make her some coffee, Mary,' he said, and— you're going to lie here and tell me all about it. You look terribly sick, child. I've been starving myself. I needed every dollar I could make for the kid's mouthpieces. 
Every day they want more Jack, more Jack, more Jack. And there was no one but me to make it. The kid's pal turned out a rat, you see. Boston Blackie raised himself and stared at the girl, his eyes aglow with admiration. He had felt the agonizing torture she had chosen to endure for the sake of a love that knew no higher law than sacrifice and service. Game, little girl, he muttered. The worst of us see the day when we thank God for our women. Tell me about the kid's fall, Happy, he added aloud. Why wasn't it in the papers? It was. They were full of it, but he, he called himself Jimmy Grimes, and the coppers never made him. They don't know who he is yet. It was the express car robbery on the overland rattler at Sacramento. The messenger was killed. But, Blackie, the kid didn't do it. He wasn't even in the car, though he was in on the job. Whispering Malone bumped the messenger and tossed the package and Jack and Jules to the kid who was waiting for them at the river bridge. They got the kid at the hop joint that night with the stuff still on him. Malone blew after the pitch, the yellow-hearted rat. And now the kid's up at the big house with a death sentence that isn't coming to him because he's too right to snitch, even on a rat. The girl lifted herself on her elbow and raised one frail hand as though taking an oath. So help me God, she cried. I'd go straight to the coppers and tell him who killed that messenger. I'd tell him how the job was pulled. I'd tell him everything. Enough to put Whispering Malone where my poor boy is now. But if I did, the kid would quit me. You know he would, Blackie. That's all that stops me. You may say I'm a copper at heart, but I can't help it. I would. I would. The girl's voice rose as emotion mastered her. But I can't, she added with a hopeless gesture and dropped back on the couch, whimpering like an animal wounded by the jaws of a trap. Blackie laid a comforting hand on her thin arm. You haven't a wrong drop of blood in you, child, he said gently. You wouldn't snitch to the coppers, no matter whose life depended on it. We men who play the crooked game must pay some day, and while we pay behind bars, our women suffer, like you, outside them. It doesn't seem right, but it's true. It's part of the price of loving men like us, like me, or the kid who— Stop, interrupted the girl. Don't say that. The only happiness I ever had was with the kid. The only happiness I ever want is his love. Do you think that if I could, I'd forget what we've been to each other? I suffer, because I'm afraid for him. It's thinking what those terrible days and nights must be to him that, that drives me wild. You can imagine what it is to count the days, the hours, the minutes of life that are left you, to face them alone and helpless like a trapped rat. I see him led from the death cell, young, strong, and full of life, and then in just one little minute, lying white and cold and and the girl sprang suddenly to her feet wringing her hands they must not they shall not she cried she dropped on her knees and held out two fragile arms imploring divine mercy merciful god help us now she prayed don't let him die he is so young and you know he didn't kill the messenger he was so good to me he never never betrayed a friend Oh, God, it isn't right that he should die for whispering Malone. The time left is so very, very short. Please, please, oh, God, help Boston Blackie to save him. Amen. Mary was on her knees as little Miss Happy finished. Boston Blackie's head was bowed. 
the girl still kneeling with arms imploringly outstretched and tears streaming down her face strained her eyes upward as though to speed her prayer to its destination the intense unmistakable sincerity in the plea that came from the overburdened heart of the child woman a wife in fact but not in name seemed to chasten and sanctify the air of the room and the hearts of the trio within it vividly blackie pictured the cushion's kid still a boy and the first days they had been together chicago denver a dozen places flashed to his mind where they had pulled off jobs blackie the master and the kid his protege and then that night in k c where the kid had risked everything for him what he was blackie had made him every trick and stall was blackie's own love akin to a father's was in his heart for him the kid was right boston blackie husky under the stress of the feeling happy had fanned into a flame of determination broke the silence what have the lawyers done he asked have they been to the governor for a commutation the appeal was denied long ago they have just come back from the capital it took my last two hundred dollars to send them the governor refused to interfere unless we show the kid is innocent and turn up the right man boss tom creedon turned us down too you're the last hope blackie the mouthpiece is through the girl searched the man's face for some sign that would stimulate into new life the hope that her love would not let die i suppose you had to raise the money for the trial too blackie said how did you do it happy the girl looked into his questioning eyes frankly i'm working at the spider's dance hall she said without embarrassment though no place bore a more unsavory reputation i dress like a school kid and sell more drinks than any two of the girls no in answer to the query in his eyes i'm not like the rest of the girls i promised the kid i wouldn't be i went to the spider's joint as a last resort when the lawyers said they'd quit the appeal if i didn't raise money i've been filling in as a stall for red eye costigan's gun mob but they're a cheap worthless lot not our kind blackie and my bit wasn't enough to keep the lawyers going so i went to the dance hall there was nothing else to do i had to have money to fight the kid's case poor brave little woman said mary putting an arm protectingly around the girl and kissing her gently i know what you have gone through dear i stood it better at first when i knew that every time i sold a drink or begged luck money after a dance i was earning a dollar that might save the kid she said lately since the mouthpieces told me they didn't see any hope it has been worse than hell itself mary blackie i've sat there pretending to drink with strangers while the picture of my boy in the death house blinded me i've laughed and joked while i counted how many hours how many minutes even left him i've danced with men knowing each step was cutting my poor boy's life another second shorter oh she shuddered how oh, i hated the touch of their hands the look in their eyes the words on their lips i hated the music i hated the crowds i hated the lights and the laughter for always i could see the kid lying alone in the dark waiting 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 but i laughed with the rest for the lawyers wanted dough and it takes a laughing face to get the money at spiders boston blackie without a word rose from the pallet and switched on the lights 
"'How much money have we, Mary?' he asked. Mary, whose face was white and drawn, delved into a trunk and handed him a big roll of bills. It was the money which meant escape from all the dangers that threatened them. Blackie counted it, then he divided it into two piles. "'That's for you, Mary, in case anything happens to me, in case I don't come back,' he said, indicating the smaller package of bills. He stuffed the larger roll inside the breast of his soft shirt. "'This I'll take with me.' Money is the right kind of ammunition for a job like this, and there's eight thousand dollars here. It's enough. He slipped the revolver on the table inside the waistband of his trousers. He took a second gun and a holster from a desk drawer and slung it under his left armpit. Then he turned to little Miss Happy and, with gentle hands laid on her shoulders, stilled the convulsive shudders that shook her body. You stay here with Mary, he commanded. You've done your bit for the kid, little woman. No more of the spiders for you. Everything a man can do for him is going to be done, provided the coppers don't get me first. Don't despair, and don't hope, too much. Just pray as you did a moment ago. I'll be at Folsom by noon tomorrow. Mary slipped to his side and clung to him. He looked into her face and kissed her gently, as though in renunciation. I'm sorry, dear one, he whispered. Happiness seemed our very own this morning. Now who knows? But you know I must go. You know I must try, even if I fail. Yes, yes, go. I want you to, dear. I knew you would when I brought her here. There is no other way. But, oh, my dearest, why is life so very, very cruel and hard? Blackie, I am only a woman. There was no break in Mary's voice, no tears in her eyes. Instead, in them Blackie saw and recognized the same spirit of willing sacrifice with which women sent their men to the trenches somewhere in France, and watched them go with smiling lips, brave eyes, and breaking hearts. Blackie stooped and kissed her. "'You see now, dear,' he said with deep conviction, "'why I felt held here. Now we understand why.' Once more he kissed her, then with a cheery word to Happy, he was gone. Mary covered her face and choked back a sob as the door closed. Happy knelt beside her, and the two women clung together, united by misery, for each knew the life of the man she loved was at stake now. If all men were like Blackie, there wouldn't be any like him, Happy cried, and paradoxical as it sounds, this was precisely what she meant. End of chapter 4